What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU Recruitniks, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to episode 41 of the Sooners 360 Recruiting Podcast. I'm Chris Mason, Recruiting Analyst for Sooners 360. I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime and talent evaluator, uh, opinion of, opinion creator, Caleb Cummings. Uh, Matt Burns is, uh, is on vacation right now, unable to join us tonight, but we will persevere without him and not try and get into too much trouble. So uh, the first part, to talk about this week is, again, we're lucky that we get to start with commitment news for OU this week. And the two commitments that have fallen for OU are both from the 24 class. It is Michael Patterson McDonald from Westmore in the, in the greater Oklahoma City area, and Brendan Zerbrug from Alliance, Ohio. Caleb, do you know where Alliance is in, in Ohio? I actually checked. do not have a clue. All right, let me check here real quick where Alliance, Ohio is. It's got to be close to the Michigan border, right? I figure something like that. No, it's, it it's, it's outside of Canton, not far between Canton and Youngstown. Oh, okay. So it's... Um, football country. It's in football country. It's sort of, yeah, it's... That's smack dab in the middle of it. It's smack dab in the middle of the state, pretty much. Yep. So, well, I just mean smack dab in the middle of football country. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's north of yeah. Columbus. It's, yeah, it's between... Yeah, you're right. It's between um, it's between Canton and Youngstown. Basically, the two 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 sources two sources of football uh, for OU fans. Youngstown being the the font of Bob Stoops and the Stoops family, That's and right. then Canton Canton, Ohio being the the Hall of Fame. So he's from a, a a rich football territory in Ohio. So so Michael Patterson McDonald uh, committed on Monday. Uh, he was. You know, he's a 5'11", 5'10", 180-pound uh, DB. We have an interview with him on our, on our, both on our site and on YouTube if you're interested. Just search for Michael Patterson McDonald interview, and you'll see it there. Good interview. Did it before he committed. It was fairly clear. He was trying to ward me off that he was heavily leaning to OU, but it was, it was pretty clear from the interview that, that OU was kind of a front-runner for him. But an interview, a lot of perspective, gives you good insight into the, into the latest Sooner commitment. Then Brandon Zerbrug uh, kind of comes with a complicated recruiting process, decommitted to Syracuse, decommitted when he got a Northwestern offer. And then, North, as we all know, Northwestern has just sort of imploded. OU offered him right after that. He came down for the party at the Palace, uh, committed to the coaches over the weekend from all stories some reports, and then went public yesterday in a, just a simple Twitter announcement. Uh, we're going to save a kind of a deep dive into those guys to the second half of our. Uh, second half of our podcast. So generally, you know, that's that's the big positive news. So Caleb, the 
the negative news, I guess, from this, from the last couple of days is Caden uh, Durham went ahead and visited LSU for their big, their Tiger Bash, or I don't know what they actually call it, something like that. We'll just call it Tiger Bash for now because I don't have the energy to go look it up. Then coming out of that, he made a new amount, new announcement of a new announcement, new announcement of a commitment date that was earlier than his previous announcement of his previous commitment date. So he has now so announced. A, got a big now, announcement coming, and the announcement is I'm going to announce when I'm going to announce. Yes, right. and, he's, and he's down yeah. to the top three of <laughs> LSU, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma. And he's announcing on August 10th, the same date as his uh, much ballyhooed five-star teammate, uh, edge rusher Colin Simmons is also choosing on August 10th. So I'm guessing they're doing something together at Duncanville, some kind of live stream combo event kind of thing, maybe. Uh, and it looks like I, we don't have any insider. We don't have any insider information on this yet, but if I'm reading the, the recruiting tea leaves, uh, I think an LSU commitment is coming. Uh, he's going to choose uh, LSU, whether it's because Taylor Tatum's the, you know, the big primary back in the, not the big, but like the, you know, the, the star running back in this class. And he's had like 30 days to kind of think about that and decide he wants to go somewhere else. If it's the track team, or he just, or just he just prefers LSU. So, um, and kind of a counterpart to that news, which is somewhat frustrating some of our fans. Uh, OU made the final three for uh, Andy Bass, the athlete, uh, running back, quarterback, who did a great job at the OU summer camps and earned an offer, and it's sort of a preferred walk-on offer, with the intent that once OU has some roster shakeups and and figures out what what where Andy is and what Andy is going to be for OU OU will probably move him to scholarship just like they did with Gavin Freeman which was a Gavin was a walk-on uh because Texas Tech stopped recruiting him and that that kind of got came out in the media days the last couple of days that uh Emmett Jones leaked kind of said that I think he's annoyed Texas Tech people by saying that you know he was told to stop recruiting Gavin Freeman um and he didn't want to do that, but that's what he was told. So uh, that's why Gavin Freeman took his walk on, went decommitted from Texas Tech, and walked on at OU. So Caleb, let's just let's just let's just say Caden Durham commits to LSU. Is OU really missing out in terms of adding Caden Durham as the third running back in this class? Where do you lie on this? What do you think? Oh, it's really difficult one for me. Uh, some of our sources we've taken heat on some of this, and it's gone back and forth, and, and things have been a bit everywhere. Have kind of indicated, hey, that you know, that him not having a spot at Oklahoma may be, you know, again, maybe oh, use adjusting numbers, it changed, it went back and forth. Where I mean, and we talked about this, you know, give DeMarco a ton of props, you know, gosh, we talked about this a bunch when we did running back rankings in the winter we didn't have uh tatum on our board really like i mentioned i think i remember mentioning like hey i love him he would probably he would be up there at one but oklahoma doesn't have a chance he seems destined for ohio state or michigan at that time so we'll talk about these other guys so for oklahoma to say hey we don't have room for a third back because we signed the number one running back in the country and a five-star it's hard to say like oh darn 
you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I all I think, that said, I, I love Durham and yeah. his fit in the offense that Jeff Lebby runs, even though he is on the smaller side of that, right? So much of what he does inside is about getting north south as fast as possible and having a, a back with that type of speed and acceleration and explosive ability. You know, you, you, the way he spreads everybody out horizontally. And then when you get those gaps vertically, you could just outrun angles and, and, and having some speed like that is, is uh, you hate to, you hate to lose it in some regard, but you know, if you're telling me, and then we talked about this a little bit, right. If the two options are, Hey, option one is you get, you know, you get Robinson and Tatum at running back and you get a guy like Danny Okoye at defensive end and you get an Andy Bass as a preferred walk-on, right? And then option B is you get those three running backs of Durham, Robinson, and Tatum and you don't get Okoye and you don't get uh, Bass as a walk-on. I'll take option one. You know, just because you're you're trying to also build a, an entire roster, and you know, and Brendan Zerbrug, I mean, just to, just committed. That's a second high school quarterback. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, third high school running back, second high school quarterback, with the the damage done to the quarterback room by the previous regime, and and how they skipped years recruiting, um, and with the with the transfer of Nick Evers, Nick Evers kind of weirdly going to the portal after, you know, six months, you know, I, I think a second high school quarterback is, is, you know, is more important than a third running back. Yeah. You know, to your, to your point on Zerbrug, right. I think the reality is I would, ex- you're, you're going to lose Bevel. This is his final year. And again, we've talked about this kind of ad nauseum with, with booty, but you know, this will be, so it, you know, four high school programs in four years, two colleges in his first two years of college. I, I think expecting him, and rightfully so, all word is Jackson Arnold was number two. Expecting that Booty sticks around in Oklahoma for two to three years additional to be just a backup to Jackson Arnold and he doesn't go and, and try to be a starter somewhere. That's probably hoping, right? Hope's not a plan. You're probably hoping that occurs. I, I think you absolutely have to get two quarterbacks in the class and it's just you know we look at the numbers to say hey we're going to take what was it is there now five wide receivers and we're going to yes. take two quarterbacks we're going to then we're going to take three running backs and then we're going to try to go out and take a, you know five or six offensive linemen it's at you know, seven or seven defensive linemen yeah we want to get seven defensive linemen i know you know line they signed you know more linebackers last year than they will this year and say maybe potentially the same, you know, in, in the secondary, maybe they signed, you know, one more than they will this year. But I just, yeah, from a numbers perspective, it, it's difficult to, it's difficult to foresee, you know, how they would make three running backs. How they're making work. Yeah. I don't know how you do, I, you know, and the other part of this is like, again, like the Andy, Andy Bass, right. Um, uh, if, if he's same thing as like Gavin willing to bet on himself and say, I'll come in as a walk-on and I will just work my way in as a, whether it's a running back or it's as a wide receiver, whatever that might be, you know, I, and I, absolutely. Like, I, I think that Caden Durham is, is the superior prospect, uh, superior athlete, but I, I just say that Andy Bass is not, 
not he a has, throwaway. He's not a throwaway. Yes, he has power five offers, right? He's yes. five eleven and a half, six foot, two hundred pounds. Ran ten five six hundred meter. Uh, he can scoot, and he. You look at him on the hoof. He's about as impressive as a kid as, as you will find. So yeah. All right. Well, I think we've gone backwards and forwards on Caden Durham, and uh, really, really, it's it's not been. Uh, it's not been a big surprise. Uh, I think that he's leaning to LSU or probably choosing, going to choose LSU. Now, OU could decide their numbers justified coming back to this situation and make a big push because DeMarco Murray, you know, he's a, he's a great running back coach, an excellent recruiter. And Durham has a lot of connections with his OU friends, with Xavier Robinson, now Michael Patterson McDonald. And we think David Stone is trending. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that. Get to that in a minute. But I think there's a chance if OU wants to make a push for Caden Durham and grab Caden Durham, I got no problem with that. But I just made a class prediction on our website, um, as I do every month, and it is 29 players, and it does not have Caden Durham on there, and it has some other names. I left some other names out there that I wanted to add. So. While a, the eighty-five cap is the eighty-five cap is still there, the twenty-five cap is gone. At some point, you you, you from class balance standpoint, you, you've got to you got to put a break. You got to got to put a stop to that. So let's just jump. We've given Caden Durham enough of our airtime over the last three four months, and that's um, another part to it, right? It's yeah. tough if you're going to be a third running back in a class, you probably should have committed when there was still a spot in, in May and not waited until mid August or pull the trigger barbecue you weekend. Right. Yeah. And if you'd done that, Oh, you'd be like, great. You're in the fold. They'd still would have gone after Taylor Tatum, got Taylor Tatum. And it would have been perfectly fine. If because the Zerbrug and the wide receiver news, um, Zion Reagan's obviously committed after the barbecue in the, the barbecue you weekend oh you got another wide receiver they got Wyatt Gilmore after the barbecue you weekend so that was a and Jaden Jackson two defensive linemen we weren't necessarily projecting who you would get so uh, he had his chance to be a sooner uh it's up to oh you oh you if oh you wants to make a drive and go out recruit LSU for him in the next 10 days next eight days go go right ahead go right ahead and the thing is, you have to give this staff all of the credit in the world because what they're not doing is putting themselves in the same position that the previous staff continually and, did. And the current put, staff is doing right now. And they're doing at USC. Like at USC. They're yeah, about they to said, be hey, shut out at running back. Yeah, we're all in on this kid and we're going to go get him. And they ride it out for months and months and months and get strung along and the kid goes somewhere else and they're left in the lurch without anybody. This staff, you know, it's like, Hey, these are our top three backs. We can win with any of these three backs. Let's go get two. First two you're in third. Sorry. You know, and, and you yeah. just have, it's, that's big boy football. I mean, and, and Oklahoma going to the sec is playing big boy football. So, so another, it's some other good news. Interesting news. I thought from a certain perspective, uh, Caleb, um, back to back to our favorite topic of O-line recruiting. Um, two OU, one OU verbal and one OU target received Under Armour invites and accepted those invites to go play at the Under Armour All-American game. And the first one, OU verbal Eugene Brooks got an Under Armour invitation and accepted it, which I was thought was, I was very happy to hear that, very encouraged about that because, you know, it, it seems to me that um, Brooks is a top 200 player on one service and 
going to the Under Armour game, he's probably moving up on ESPN's rankings the next time they do those because ESPN's tied pretty closely to that invite process. So, Caleb, I think, you know, we, and we also got to see uh, Eugene on campus uh, for the party at the Palace. So, um, what do you think of Eugene as now an Under Armour All-American? Are you surprised by that? No, not really. Uh, any, you know, I, I think one of the reasons being he has been a guy that, that for you know a couple of years now has gone around on the camp circuit and on the camp circuit, he's been dominant, you know, and uh, even this year, he, he just, you know, he's stonewalling kind of all comers. And the other part is, you know, uh, you know, look at his offer list and yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's USC and Texas A&M and Texas and Oregon and Florida state and Georgia and, and Georgia, you know, so you just look at the offer list. It's like, okay, well, here's every, I basically just listed off all those schools that are. He may have lost you know, that Georgia than, offer though. Cause he may only, he's not over 350 pounds. So <laughs> he's no longer over 350. So that may be why Georgia called off on him a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Hey, yeah, Georgia's a good example again of, Hey, we're going to go fill up on, on all the guys and you know, monstrous, it, monstrous, yeah. monstrous yeah. guys. So you had a spot previously and if you didn't get on the bus, you don't anymore. So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not at all surprised by him. I'm, I, you know, we saw the pictures from the party at the palace uh, with, you know, what some people maybe hope is going to be the offensive line, you know, Grant Bricks, Autry, uh, Aya Sosa uh, and, and, and Brooks. And again, I will say this and it's like back to they the look, it look good. They look good. It, it, it looked like a, it looked like a, you know, that was like a picture perfect, like offensive line photo. Oh, absolutely. Presuming, and, presuming Bill can still play center at, at <laughs> whoever old he is. I wouldn't put it past him that he couldn't line up and snap the ball and, and hit somebody. So, well, but, hey, they, they, they signed Josh Bates last year. And I think there's, you know, I, I think they've already got maybe a, a preferred walk on that's a really good high school player that's, that's committed in the class as a, again, as a kind of, you know, NIL walk on, but you know, the thing that stuck out to me about looking just at, at Brooks on, on the hoof. And when, you know, I joked back and forth on this, when I saw the pictures of this, you know, four, I thought, well, that can't be Brooks. Uh, that's gotta be someone else. Cause just looking at like the, the build in his lower half athletic, again, just continues to shed, you know, all. And we're looking at two year old, we're looking at two year old photos in some cases. Yeah, that's point. what it is. Yeah. He's looking at two year old photos and, you know, expected to be kind of this kid that still had a ton of weight to shed. And I think he probably still does, you know, a little bit in the upper body, but seeing how his, his lower body's put together, I think it just, again, leads credence back to what you see when you watch film and say, Hey, that's a, that's a really athletic guy in a big guy's body. And as he continues to just hone that in physically, uh, he, he, I think he'll be, you know, he'll, have, he'll be a force. Uh, he'll be a guy that will be competing for, for a spot in Norman. So excited to see what he looks like come, I guess, is it December, late December, early January? It's early January. I'd be interested to see him against also possibly some other OU verbals, we hope, on the D-line <laughs> side of the ball. But I think even the more in, the, but the, the fascinating offer to me, I thought Eugene Brooks, like, like the, well-deserved. He looks good on film. He's doing a good job at camps. All right. That makes sense to me. Was well, he got Daniel, a good friend from the UK, uh, from, uh, the NFL Academy in the NFL London Academy, Daniel uh, Akinkumi also received an invite, which I think is kind of fascinating. Caleb, that would be, I think the first player from who's playing overseas, who, who actually comes to the Under Armour All-American game. I really interested to see him, you know, because 
my assumption, uh, he's so new to the game, and I don't think I'm wrong. He has a really pretty impressive offer list, all, all things given. You know, it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. a bunch of Mac schools and Sun Belt, right? It's he has power five offers from schools in every major conference, including conferences that are probably about to die, you know, so coast to coast. And uh I think a lot of that is just they look at the skill set. Like, hey, here's a big athletic kid that can move. He's six five with you know an eighty foot, a uh, eighty foot, eighty inch wingspan. He's you know he's got tackle length. Uh, so like, let's yeah, let's see how let's let's get this kid against some guys. So I'm really interested uh, to see. You know, they do all, all the one on ones and a yeah. lot of you know uh, half line work at you know those uh, at, at those practices. So I'm really interested to watch the practice clips come out. I remember. A couple of years ago, whenever the practice clips came out of uh, Anton Harrison and that group there, like you saw what Harrison was in the spring at those camps, and he was pretty good. But I remember Aaron Parks was the guy at those camps, right? And but you get to the end of that year in January when the, the clips were coming out of them at the Under Armour uh, game, and you saw Anton Harrison, it was like, oh, God, okay. Like that looks, you know, that – and it happens to a lot of them, right? Yeah, that, yeah, you know that one year is a, is a big is a big difference. So he uh, really interested to to see what he could be, you know, come January. Yeah, it would be a fast. I mean, I, I know the story will probably get a lot of buzz because it's. I mean, it's a, it's a great story. I mean, it's just a fascinating story, right? I mean, you know, um, so no, no, to get a little buzz, but it'll be interesting to see because if he can just hold his head above water against four star or five star D line, I mean. You're not expecting him to go out there and dominate, but if he can just like keep his head above water and not and not be so bad that they don't want to play him, um, that would be great. I mean, that would be, I think, a great confidence boost for him and just a clear sign that you know maybe if if he has verbal to OU and there are predictions out there that he is going to verbal to OU, he's visiting nine um, one. Uh, that would be an interesting. Uh, it'd be be a great sort of validation, like for all the people, like, well, why are we offering this weird guy from? England, you know, it'd be a nice validation if you went to the Under Armour game and was and was at least as as competent as anybody who's been playing football for four or five years, five, six years, right? Yeah, um, I, I think you're right. It could be it could be a massive like uh boost for him to get, yeah. you know, over here and get comfortable with, you know, the size and speed of the players, but also to figure out, hey, I can do this. Yeah, I'm I'm playing the best guys in the country and okay, sure. David Stone beat me on a move because David Stone will be at that game. Um, but he's he's beating everybody, right? So, okay, you know, I'm, I'm holding my own out here against, you know, the the elite. Because generally speaking, the Under Armour game gets the bulk, the bulk of sort of the SEC D line, right? So they get the most, they get most of those out. You know, you know the quarterbacks are kind of split between the two games a little bit. But it's always the D line at the Under Armour game that's, that, that's sort of the the, the sort of the, you know, because ESPN's rankings are kind of stacked a little bit towards the Southeast and the line in the Southeast, that's just where you go to find them. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be very sure. interesting. So talking about Under Armour game people, and we're pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that Williams nowhere he's going to play it, going to go to the Under Armour game. So we're talking about commitments. I'm going to give you guys a quick recap here, but we thought we'd start with our Best guesses as to what's going on with the number one name out there right now and the number one question mark, Williams Ranieri, the talented number one defensive player in the country, 
from Lee Summit North in sort of the Kansas City, Missouri area. So right now there's a lot of rumors and speculation going around. There's a lot of internet message board uh, crap, for the lack of a better word. Um, and all credit to him. He's a competitor of ours, but all credit to him. Pretty much, if you're not Parker Thune, I'm not sure you have a really good read on what's going on right now. Our sources continue to tell us that they like where OU is and OU's confident in their position. But if you're trying to get a read from Winery directly, you know, Parker Thune's the guy that's put in the energy. He's put the time in. He's visited that school five, six times. He was there for Caden Green. He's been there for Kamori more and he's going to be there for Isaiah Mosey's uh, commitment. And we'll get to that probably in a minute, get that in the next segment. So right now, Parker is saying that he thinks the commitment date is not going to be 8-7, that it might be 8-14. Now, this is only what Parker's saying. And he's the only one that's really providing us with kind of, you know, firm dates. Because at this point, I don't believe we've seen a williams Winery tweet. I'm sorry, I post x sorry an x post um to to confirm elon's uh, rebranding changing the button no longer tweet it's post uh we haven't seen a post from williams confirming anything about a decision date so we're going off the the best source that's currently out there on the net which is parker so uh, my guess right now is it looks like you know everyone's sort of going ou missouri some people are saying UGA is still in it. Some people are saying Oregon made a massive move last weekend when he visited. Uh, it, to me, the number one name that just seems to be always popping up is OU. OU's got all the connections. Some, you know, before NIL, I used to refer to recruiting as a as a marathon, not a sprint. That people will often sprint and become big names in recruiting, but it's the name that's always mentioned all the time, the longest that tends to win out. So that's where I'm still leaning on this recruiting. Uh, now there's some NIL, uh, for lack of a better word, shenanigans being uh, thrown around by Missouri, um, uh, which to me don't make a whole lot of sense. We've known that OU has um, had a competitive NIL package ready for uh, williams Nowary for, for several months, but Missouri is apparently coming in with you know, some some golden bucket at the end of the rainbow uh, NIL strategy here at the end. So, Caleb, what 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 do you think about the all of a sudden Missouri is is now a huge NIL player uh, in college football recruiting in general? What do you, what do you think of this kind of <laughs> narrative narrative that's being that's being sent out there by Missouri websites and and other and other folks? I think that's a really good way of putting it when you call it narrative. They say that we are in the post-truth era and we are in the era of narrative uh right uh, words have no meaning other than the, the meaning that which you decide to give them in that moment uh but because it just doesn't add up from a, a factual standpoint you know I, I posted this on the board but and I tend to agree with you and you've brought up some pretty good points in terms of, Hey, this was a similar storyline last year with Caden green where Oklahoma led throughout. It was, he was going to be a sooner. And then the last month, two months, whatever it was of his recruitment, here comes Missouri and Missouri's charging and distance is a factor. And that Missouri has made an NLI offer to Caden green. That is out of this world. And, you know, Oklahoma's got to do something, right, or they're going to lose Caden Green. And then he chose 
you know, and he, she's his Oklahoma and, and you hear Brent get up there at signing day and talk about how Caden Green was all about football. And now his parents basically were like, Hey, we're not rich. We're not poor. NIL ain't a big deal for us. We just want to make sure, you know, this, this is about the right decision for our kid. And so it's like, okay, I go to this immediately when it comes to narrative, right? You're Eli Drinkowitz at Missouri. You're 17 and 19 in three seasons. You've never had a winning season at Missouri. And it looks like you will not have one this year. Odds are they have a you know, brutal, they have a brutal back end of their schedule. It, yeah. They, it's, they, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. They might start four and one and then they'll be lucky to finish five and seven. Right. Uh, so it's just that thing where, like I tend to think of this being, you know, hey, if I can't win on the field and I can't win in August through December, I have to win in January through, you know, beginning of August. I've got to win here. I've got to be able to sell hope. I'm selling the future to these guys. Look what we did. Look at these great players we just signed. We're good to go. Uh, I think that's what it is. I to this last week, I think it's more of a death rattle. But, you know, having said that, I am sure that – Missouri is doing whatever they can from an NIL standpoint, like back the truck up. They're trying to get it again, though, where you go like what's real from a narrative perspective. You know, you remember last fall, the word was they gave Luther Burden this big NIL deal. It wasn't coming through. He was unhappy and he was thinking about transferring because a lot of promises didn't happen. So there's there's also that. But here's here's what I put on the board. And here's my thought is. What I've the reason I have a hard time believing that they're this massive NIL player that's throwing around, you know, money that nobody else can match is if that were the case, why in the last couple of last two cycles in particularly, have they shed and lost their best starters on defense and on offense to the portal? Why have LSU and Arkansas and Georgia and other programs come in and poach their their best talent? But we're talking about best defensive player on their team, gone, best defensive lineman gone best receiver on their team they've had in a while right better you know love it significantly better than burden in terms of you know productions it's not yeah even close. well well in terms of actually playing the game of football this is again where i go back to like last week about yeah. hey we're going to yeah. call him a five star was like well, that's what you were in high school like now you're a football player and he's better so and he's now in georgia right missouri couldn't keep him so I, I just I struggle to be like, hey, if they've got this money, they're just pouring into it. Why are they losing their best players to their competition? And then you know? and then your other point was, I mean, you did a great job. This it's a good class of Missouri talent. There's yeah. a lot of good players in Missouri. It's, it's really good. They've got two kids that are five stars in, yeah. in state. And they're not gonna and they're not getting Wingo. I don't think they're getting Wingo. Um no. and by the way, Wingo, I'm pretty sure is related to the defensive lineman they lost to LSU. And and his brother played, I think, running back at Arkansas or something. Yep. You know, yeah, yeah. So they so they they they've lost some of those connections there. But I mean, the number ten player in in Missouri, four star linebacker, they lost to UNLV. Okay, yeah. No, I'm not knocking UNLV. You know, um, and Barry. Oh, I think Barry Odom's out there, right? That is correct. So there's some connections there, but you still lost the guy to UNLV. If you I mean, there's a lot of good guys. They have one guy. I think they have like the 13th ranked player. He's an offensive tackle. Looks pretty good. But I mean, the top 10 is all four star kids. They're and they're losing them to this. It's it's, it's uh, everybody. It's Michigan. It's, it's Notre Dame. It's, it's Georgia. It's, it's Oregon. Yeah. It's Iowa. Yeah. Everybody's kind of coming there and, and, and taking taking if talent they, from if them. If they were, if they had an NIL machine going, 
you think they would stop at least a little bit of this? <laughs> yeah. Jay Sean Ross is probably going to Nebraska. Um, he's one of the guys undercommitted on there that OU was looking at one point. No, you kind of separated. I think think wasn't a cultural fit, for lack of a better term. So I don't know. So the the maybe maybe Missouri does open up some bizarre offer, and OU's like, okay, there's a level we're willing to compete, and this is not where we are. But I I just don't see OU walking away from this recruiting um, that they've been involved in and leading for a year without a significant fight. So. Um, and I think they lead on every other, every other part of the, uh, of the ledger. And at some point, you know, I think, um, you know, you, you can negatively point out, well, if, if Missouri's, if Missouri's dollars is the only thing in, in their favor and that's why you're choosing them, we'll see you in 12 months. Yeah. That's, I was going to say, um, like, maybe know, that's we'll, something that he you know, has to learn you, when you get older, but yeah, when you, yeah, you go we'll chasing see. money uh, as opposed yeah. to fit, like you'll learn pretty quick. Hey, that additional little bit of money. And and, and you want to be on a defensive line where you won't get double teamed. And because if you're on the a future OU offense, the defensive line, you have the potential of being, having some very, very talented guys next to you and across from you. So um, so that's, that's, that's where we are with Williams Maneri. We need, first off, I need a public commit date from him, right? Post something somewhere, interview with a quote, tell me when you're committing. Otherwise we're, we're at the, you know, we're, we're, we're in the dark base and base based upon what Parker Thune is saying. And Parker does a good job. We'll credit to him, but it would be nice to have a quote. And a, or a post from him saying something. So I will say one thing. I do think this is where I, I think you do wish, if you're Oklahoma, you do wish that David Stone was committed and already. was already. already and was driving that to your, you know, to your point, instead of saying, Hey, we're going to get stone and you're going to be able to line up next to him one-on-one and you're going to, we're going to get you in the top three or top five of the NFL draft in three years, right? You're going to, in three years, you're going to go, you're going to sign a deal for $40 million the way the yeah. cap keeps you know increasing year over year. You know, if if Stone was there, Stone had the ability to say, hey, look, come here. And just like Oklahoma did in 09, we're going to send, you know, we'll have three guys in the top five, you yeah. know. So, yeah, yeah exactly. you wish, you know, and maybe he's kind of saying some of that in, in group stuff on the back end. But Well, he's, he's, got, a, he's got a new chat buddy in Eddie Pierre-Louis, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Pierre Louis in an in interview recently said that David Stone is one of his new buddies on on chat. So I don't, you guys can say, well, that's just a coincidence. Uh, there's no coincidence. You know, this is like in murder and recruiting. There are no co- there are no coincidences, right? Um, you know, you don't just have a flat tire the day you're supposed to go visit OU. Um, things like that. So <clears throat> just to recap, Josh Iasosa, the things we do know that are going on, Caden Durham. The tenth, probably LSU. Josh Iasosa on the fourteenth, probably OU, heavily leaning OU. Looks good. Looks looks like that looks that looks like a a good evaluation. Good, good change of direction by Bill when he realized some other things weren't going well. I, like yeah, that. I I really That's do a, like I like Iasosa. And they've been talking to him. And they talking to him since April. So Bill probably had maybe in his maybe I think Iasosa maybe had a better idea when he was getting an offer than we did. David Stone confirmed 826. Uh, I think during his football game that day on ESPN2, when I'm not exactly sure, but I'm sure it'll be 
as with as much pomp and circumstances as David can arrange for for his commitment, because uh, David has worked has worked the system beautifully for the last two years. My understanding is, if it is Oklahoma, he is going to ride out at halftime at IMG in the Sooner Schooner, firing Sooner. a gun. Yeah, firing a gun. <laughs> <laughs> we would arrange that if we could. Um, yeah. uh, Braden Platt down to Oregon and OU on nine four. Still, the only lean here is Oregon because of distance. And that's it. There's no like real, there's, no one has him on the record saying distance is the reason I'm going to choose Oregon. So that's a that's an internal that's a that's a projection because no one he doesn't talk. He's not on social media that much. He's not doing a lot of interviews. He seems to be he seems to be all focused on throwing javelins five miles. And you, and you know what I wonder, and I don't know if this would have any impact or not, but all the you know, the Oregon and they're potentially trying to get to the Big Ten and that being up in the air, if that would have any impact on it from a distance perspective. If you were looking, if a kid's looking at it from a distance and they're saying, well, if I go to Oregon, I'm going to get to play at Oregon State. I'm going to get to play at Washington State in Washington. And I'm going to play all these play Cal. You know, my parents can get there pretty quick, right? They can drive to a lot of these games. They can do a really quick, you know, hour flight to the Bay Area, whatever that is. Well, now you're going to be playing your, your, you know, your parents are going to be flying to, you know, New Jersey, Maryland, Iowa, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania. Like you're, you know, like you're, you're long haul for anything. So uh, I'd be interested to see if, if that changes, if it was like, ah, maybe I want to do Oregon because it's closer to where my parents are now. Uh, I don't know. I, that's, that's one I'm, I'm hopeful for because I, I couldn't think more highly of the kid. Yep, and then we have Nigel Smith um, on nine eight. He went to A and M's party. Um, he went with Uma's Uma's Zena Umazulu. It looked like um, I'm still pretty confident that that's that decision is going to work in OU's favor. But you know, A and M's making it interesting. He'll go visit Texas and then he'll decide on nine eight. But it sure seems like OU's still out in front there. So, so that's all the recruiting. That's all the twenty four recruiting news. And in the next segment, we're going to do some. A little bit of an analysis on the commits that we just had. And then we're going to focus on the fact that 2025 recruiting is just, it's on fuego. It's on fire. Whatever, whatever term the kids think kids use these days. No, no kids are using like, you're using like the, the mid nineties. I'm uh, using the mid nineties. I'm, I'm uh, old. Which I love. I'm old. It's cool. And whenever I heard them say as cool as the other side, yeah, the of, the side pillow, of the pillow, I was like 10 and I thought, Oh my God, I'm not the only one that knew about this. I, maybe <laughs> I was like, you know, that's one of my yeah. most favorite. Stuart, Stuart Scott, rest in peace. That's right. The, the classic sports center teams. So I don't know what the current term would be for that, but anybody um, who is 16, who listens to our podcast or would want to send me a, a a Twitter a a X direct message letting me know what term I should be using. Please let me know. But uh, this is our segment talking about um, the commits and 2025, 2025 recruiting just being just ridiculous right now. So, Caleb, let's just start with a uh, quick commitment analysis of the two guys we talked about in the first segment in the news. So let's start with let's start with Zan with Brandon Zerbrug the second quarterback from Alliance, Ohio. So and I think we maybe touched on him a little bit last, last week. week. We did. We did. Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, for even for maybe a sleeper type quarterback, uh, 
Uh, he's probably not getting his due. I'll be quite honest with you. For a lot, yep. you know, he's he's out of the region. He's from Ohio. He's not an Oklahoma kid uh, or a Texas kid. And, and so I think there's probably this perception of, uh, you know, hey, Michael Hawkins is here, and, and we've we're bringing in Zerbrug. He's down here, and uh, you know, he's he's just a body. I don't I don't see him that way at all when I watch the film. And I posted the film on on the board, and I told everybody I said, watch and tell me what you think. Watch yeah. these two kids and then tell me who's better. And the film I posted was Zerbrook's junior tape and then uh, little Arch Manning, not a little, he's a pretty good sized kid, Arch Manning's junior tape. And it was like, tell me who's better. And, you know, if you're in, and, and the thing is like, I know Manning is a, is a bigger football name than Zerbrook, but, but Brendan's dad played at Michigan under Bo Schenbleckler, played yep. quarterback. He started some at Michigan and finally ended up giving way to Jim Harbaugh, who was a first round draft pick, I believe by the bears. So it's not like he was, you know, uh, playing at a, at a bad university, he played for one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football at a, pristine university uh, and, you know, was in a quarterback room and ultimately beat out by, uh, you know, a, a, I mean, Halbert was the standard bearer for Michigan quarterbacks for like a decade and a half. Oh, I mean, he was kind of the beginning of Michigan being quarterback. You, you know, it was, you know, him into like Gerbach and then, you know, you go into greasy and and you go into all these guys they had in the nineties, right. Including, you know, uh, Tom, Uh, but no, I, I mean, He's six three, six three and a half, hundred ninety pounds. Uh, really good athlete basketball. Really good athlete in football. Really good athlete in track. I mean, he hundred and ten meter and three hundred meter hurdles. Two time, uh, you know, state qualifier. Uh, two time, I think all Ohio is what it's called. You know, in right. terms of like track athlete, and you see it on film. Like, there's so much to like about him. His arm. He's he can make all the throws. Right. Uh, the thing I like probably as much about him as anything. And I think Matt pointed this out when you watch his film, he's not the dual threat guy that is pulling it down and just running to run. He is creating additional time to throw the ball. And then where he gets, he had over 800 yards rushing as a junior, but that was really designed runs because he is really fast. You can use him in, in, in the quarterback run game. So, you know, from a scheme perspective, he absolutely fits. I think you want guys, quarterbacks that can move, you know, little hint. I think that's one of the things that, why I think Texas is overrated this year is because Quinn Ewers cannot move. Statue, but, statue yeah, in the pocket. We, we can, you know, let's talk about that later. But, like, uh, you want guys that can, and he can. So he can be a, a factor in the run game. I mean, I think he'll have – I think the guy I compared him to was former Baylor quarterback Seth Russell, you know, who was on pace to have a good college career. He was going to be a two-year starter, you know, set for – redshirted and, and set some time, but he got injured. Uh, but, you know, I, I just like Zerbrug. I think it's – you know, I think it's with he and Michael Hawkins, I think it's it's six and one and a half dozen and the other. You toss both those kids in with similar skill sets – and you can, and they're both really good fits for the offense. Both come from football families. Zerbrug's dad is his high school head coach, uh, really good coach, really good program there in Ohio. Uh, Zerbrug doesn't turn the ball over. I, I just think, you know, you're setting yourself up to, you know, it's a high ceiling guy. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a lot to work with in terms of getting a second high school quarterback. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to sell him short at all, but, 
Um, oh, you could do a lot, lot worse in bringing in a second high school quarterback talent-wise than, than Zerberg. I think there's a lot to work with here. If he's in the system for – if he stays on campus and the portal makes quarterback recruiting just nutty. But if he stays in Norman, working under Levy, puts on some weight and size because he's you know got a great frame, I think you could be looking at a guy where you're like, okay, who's the – Who's the guy pushing, you know, Sperry for a starting job in, you know, at a, at a certain time period. So I think it's a good addition. I good, think it is good depth. And I, I think, you know, it's, this is, he's far, he's a far better talented player than I think, Oh, you could have picked up in the portal, even with some guy who has more experience, you know, and there's another intangible thing that I like about him. And that is you hear a lot of times when, Oklahoma, when anybody, not Oklahoma, but when, when someone is going, and you mentioned it earlier, right? When you're recruiting a quarterback, not quarterback, a, a defensive lineman out of the South, or you're recruiting a defensive back or a receiver out of Florida, you immediately, oh, well, you know, Florida's known for speed. Kids are highly competitive down there. So I know he's played against, you know, good, fast competition and he's fast, right? So, you know, similar with defensive linemen, you know, hey, the South produces a lot of them. And the thing is, like, Ohio is, a football so, hotbed it is like they take it extremely serious so for him to be at like you know a good program that he's leading him to you know again he's a he's a winner in high school and i'm not saying he's joe burrow right but like right, I think right. ohio state was the only decent offer joe burrow had and it was the same situation it was like colorado needed- he colorado was like his he went dream school, right? And, and no, Nebraska. His dad. It was a, so it was Nebraska. It was Nebraska. Sorry, I was wrong. 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 And, wrong. Ex Big Twelve team who's in a different conference. It, well, Nebraska so, didn't offer him a scholarship. His dad coached there. Yeah, Nebraska yeah, that watched was, that the was film. The story. Yeah, and said, we're not going to offer you. You know, he was looking at Cincinnati and Boston College and Fresno State and East Carolina, right? Uh, yeah, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying this is going to be that guy. I just nah, point. Nah. I just point out that you know. Like the state of Ohio, like these kids that grew up, dad coaching football in Ohio, he he's going to be, I would imagine, an intelligent kid that works hard and does, you know, insert well, he got, he, cliche. He got, he got in a Northwestern, so he's obviously not, 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 not a struggle to have a brain cell there. So that's right. All right, so let's talk about Michael Patterson McDonald just a little bit. We've gone over him several other times. So Caleb, he's obviously committed to OU. He gives OU another sort of nickel safety depth kind of a combo guy, I think. Um, so just, just give us a quick opinion on um, Michael Patterson McDonald. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be super interested to see kind of how he develops. Uh, I think you talked with him and he said he's somewhere around 5'10", uh, maybe 5'10", and some change, 180 pounds or so. And yep. it's a well, he's a well-built kind of high cut. I think he'll add lean mass pretty easy. First thing that jumps out when I watch him, you know, is just he's got really good ball skills. You see him. Yeah. You know, I know people mention like, hey, is it like a Pat Fields type or uh, a Broyles? Yeah, it's, I think OU's got some OU fans have got so much PTSD for DBs under five five eleven. It's like, guys, there are lots of all American, all conference players in the secondary who were under five eleven. Just because OU hasn't had one lately, other than Trey Brown, who was a you know just speed speed for days, right? Yeah. Just because OU has had a little bad luck in it, or doesn't mean that every five foot eleven DB we get is 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 going to be someone who you're you're cursing about. They're they're playing for the next four years. So let's let's reset a little bit and get and let's not let's not let's not drag let's not drag Michael Patterson McDonald into the bookie undersized DB 
graveyard. He has done nothing to indicate or done nothing to deserve that. Well, you know, the thing is, like, uh, I know Buki really showed out at camps uh, and, and, you know, and yeah, it's impressive and, there. And a freaking freaking Under Armour game. Yeah. You know, what the thing is, like, you watch Buki. Uh, well, but Buki probably had better ball skills than the other two, than Pat. Or, or Justin, but I say that's the thing with like Pat or Justin and no shot at them. Like I remember thinking this when I watched Pat's high school film and just the thing that we worried was like, ah, I just don't ever see him picking the ball off. Like, right. I don't and, see and a Mike guy Hill's, making play on Mike the ball. Mike first two highlights, he is anticipating reading mm-hmm. the QB jumping and, routes. and jumping the routes. It's like, yeah, so, he told me, he told me in an interview, I said, I've got a couple more interceptions like that. They just, they didn't make it into my highlight reel. I'm like, I wish they were because those sound really good because your other ones are good. Those are like, Really good highlights. You're sitting there anticipating, darting in front of the wide receiver and making making the interception. They're 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 classic DB plays. Yeah. The the thing I'm probably most interested to watch with him is just how he develops. Yeah. Uh I think he's got, you know, and get into like a lot of development. I think he's got a lot of upside in terms of I think he Schmitty will develop his lower half, particularly his posterior chain, where I think he's got some a lot of room. So in terms of like increased speed, increased uh, explosiveness, I think you'll see that as an athlete. I think he's more efficient in his ability to change directions and like quick twitch than any of the three guys, you know, Buki or Justin or, or Pat that we mentioned, where I'm really most interested in watching uh, Michael is what is put, you know, who is Oklahoma land, you know, behind him next class. Uh, you know, and what does that look like, right? Meaning, does he stay at safety? Does he try to play a nickel back? Because, you know, to your point, one of the things when every DB is five foot 10 or five foot nine, now you got a problem. When there's only one and the guys around him are six two, six one, you've got six two, six three linebackers. Are Jacoby Johnson, you know, um, Makari Vickers, Dave McCullough. Yeah, you know, it, it, it um, changes things. It changes, you know, Devin, you know, if you get Devin Jordan, he's six yeah. one, you know. It it, it um, changes things. Newcomb yeah. is Newcomb's just a hair under six foot. Um, it just yeah, exactly. So all right, well let's let's move on to the uh, the topic I know you hate. I know you do not like 25 recruiting because you you, you I mean for a lot of these kids, you just where's the I want to see the junior film. Well, they're not, they're not juniors yet, so we can't we can't generate it, but 25 recruiting is just going crazy right now. So let's just start with the biggest story. Jaden Nickens, the uh, Oklahoma City Millwood wide receiver, talented basketball player, has announced he's committing on 8-12. And the entire Sooner Internet world thinks that's trending OU's way. And Nickens is 6-3, maybe close to it. He, he looked big at the party. Uh, sorry, the Sooner Under the Stars event. He looked big standing next to everybody. So that's 6'3 number, I believe. The weight, kind of hard to tell, but it's easy to imagine with his frame that he could probably play around 200. He's a top 100 wide receiver, 247. Redid their rankings for 25. He's in the top 100. Uh, Caleb, he again, we're looking at sophomore film, but I, I think at the minimum we can say he's one hell of an athlete. Oh, man. Like, you know, the guy he reminds me of. Uh and I think I put us on the board, like watching him. And it was kind of the same thing when I watched Keon Coleman uh, when he was okay. in high school yep. at, there in Louisiana. And I, 
I was on the same thing. Sometimes I just probably get lucky and I'm like, Hey, you know, I'll beat the drum for certain guys. Uh, Isaiah Simmons was one. Uh, there's been a lot of others, but like, you know, Coleman was one where I was like, I'd have no clue why Oklahoma and the previous staff were not just doing everything they could. Cause that's what I saw with him was a guy that was going to be six, three and a half, two ten, two fifteen, 15 jump balling, muscling up guys from that basketball background. And that's exactly what Keon Coleman has become. Uh, I, I mean, I do like it. I've watched Nickens, both his high school basketball tape and his football tape. Uh, he is, I see why some groups have him, had him in, in, in the five-star discussion, or at least have him like top 50, top 60 player in the country. He yeah. is that, he's that level of athlete. And uh, you put him in the, you know, the, uh, the offense with the type of speed they're recruiting. And he's, you know, one-on-one with the DB with the level of ball skills. His basketball film is super impressive. There's one, his first ones, I don't, and everybody knows Jacoby Johnson is a stud. Jacoby Johnson had, yes. you know, Division One yes. basketball offers. I think one of his first clips is Jacoby Johnson drives to the lane and he jumps up, stuffs him, takes the ball, goes back down the court and pulls up and, and, and hits a shot. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, Well, we know, we know Jacoby Johnson's rep. Just, he was at media day. Everyone's been talking yeah. him up. Um, you know, again, it's it's okay if you have a five eleven safety when you have a six foot three corner. Yeah, that um, runs. It, it, you know, the, the wind did, blows you, and you know, jumps Jacoby. out of the gym. So, yeah. but Nickens is on the offensive side of the ball, so that looks like it may be trending OU's way. If if Nickens announces on eight twelve, I, I think we're like a week away from Isaiah Isaiah Mosey also announcing a commitment date. He just got back from Oregon. He's vaulted up a couple of rankings. He's now 53, according to one service. He's bigger than his, uh, his sophomore film and some of the camp stuff. He was, he was like 5'10", 5'11", and most of the camp stuff. Now he's being listed around 6'1", 190 pounds, so he's gotten bigger. Um, I think he's been showing out of camps. Again, he's Jamar Mosey's son. He's uh, Lee Summit North, lots of OU connections. And I think he may have wanted to go through the recruiting process a little longer, but but Caleb, if if Nick Hids announces on eight twelve, like we think, that's three wide receivers for twenty five already, and I don't see Isaiah Mosey letting musical chairs go on where he loses a seat. No, like you, I don't either. Uh, and you know, his dad's done such a good job with his recruitment, just in terms of well, yeah, you they've know, gone, Kane, they've. Exactly. Yeah. They've gone to junior. They've gone to junior days all over the place. They have. They've been all over the country. So he's been around all these staffs and seen all of these places. And, you know, honestly, poor kids, like things have been sped up so much when we were, you know, when I was playing, yeah. it was like, you know, you, you took official visits the fall of your senior year. A lot of times it wasn't, it was a big deal. I remember, you know, when you had guys like, it was guys like Wes Sims when I was in high school that like, Hey, he's, you know, top player, top offensive line of the country committed to OU that summer. It wasn't, there weren't a lot of guys like that. No, no. Like I mean, they were Jamal Brown took it until January. Uh, even as, even as recent as Gerald McCoy was a, and Reggie Smith, those guys were January decisions. Yeah. And that, yeah. But that wasn't, that wasn't odd at all. That wasn't no, really that it was, odd. It was just normal. And now, you know, these things have all sped up. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I think you and I chatted on this. I, 
with Mosey. He absolutely has. Like he's become a different player. You watch, like you saw him as a freshman on these camps. And this is why I struggle with like we're talking about kids so young is as a freshman, he was five foot ten, probably five foot nine and a half or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And then you I remember you saw the pictures coming out of the spring, and it was like, Who's that standing next to Venables? And it's like that's Isaiah Mosey. It's like, oh my God, he's hit a growth spurt because he's six one. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's I don't know what Emmett Jones is doing. I think he's just probably that level of recruiter and he's got Oklahoma to sell and he's kind of hit this perfect timing where suddenly there are, you know, the state of Oklahoma is producing two elite receivers, you know, yeah. uh, in the 25 class. And then there's another and one of them. Ah. One of them is a massive Sooner fan, like to the point of just, just sign me up and tell me what yeah. you need to do. Like, yeah, uh, right. I, I, you know, do I need to, do you want me to take, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll host the ponies for a night, you know, just send them my way, you know, um, just bleeding crimson. Um, I, I, I do hope OU fans appreciate that because for years, people, have, a lot of people have talked negatively on in-state kids that don't commit really quick. Like, how'd you grow up a Sooner fan and you didn't? Well, it's been, it's, so been does, a, it's been a double-edged sword, right? Like, why aren't you offering Oklahoma kids? And then some Oklahoma kids, when they get the OU offer, don't seem to be like, oh, you know, that's a great offer. I should jump on. You know what I'm saying? It's been a little bit of a, 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 a double-edged kind of sword of both ways a little bit with OU and in-state kids a little bit. So it, Elijah Thomas's approach was refreshing. Let's just leave it at that. Well, I thought I just loved, like, I'm, as I've gotten older and got kids, you know, it's you, you, little things pulling your heartstrings. The pictures he's, he posted on. on oh, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Of him, yeah. like, in a Sooner shirt. So you got a kid that probably grew up, you know, watching. Yeah. I guess realistically, it's probably like Sterling Shepard and these guys, which is wild. Uh, yeah, there's a great picture of Sterling on the wa- on the wagon. Yeah, when he's like, it gotta be like seven or eight next to the the roughneck, and <laughs> the 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 wagon girl. So yeah, but yeah, so, so but so you've got Mosey, then you got Dickens who's a two sport guy. Mm-hmm. Grayson Harris just obviously is committed to two playing. sport guy as well. Two sport guy as well. I love Grayson Harris on film. It was like, oh, well, absolutely. It's like somebody was asking me, well, can we uh, can we over recruit Grayson Harris? I'm like, have you watched his film, man? Like, the guy's no. got like he's got like 1,200 yards as a freshman. Yeah, he's a softball. dom. He's a really dominant high school football he's, player. He's like he's really good. So obviously there are other bigger wide receivers in play. Um, Elijah Thomas probably would play cornerback or safety if Brent Venables asked him. So does OU put an athlete label on him and continue going after guys like Andrew Marsh? Or um, some other players, I think it's it's a possible, but might also be that OU just says four wide receivers, you know, Nickens, Mosey, Thomas, and Harris. That's you know, if you're if you're unhappy with that four wide receiver group, then you need to go. You need to stop following um, college recruiting and 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 take a break because, my lord, that that four combination on the field, that would be, that would be that would be dangerous with uh, Kevin Sperry throwing the ball around the field. Like, and that, that will be nine guys in two classes. Yeah, they will have completely flipped that room. With a lot of talent and a lot of oh. different, a lot of different size bodies too. So you're not kind of getting that, you're not getting that Clemson big wide receiver only kind of group that LSU kind of was able to, to uh, able to counter. Yeah. So, no, and, and I, and I think that, you know, I know we've, well, there's some disagreement I, and I wouldn't say that I would peg him as this, but you know, there is the potential that a guy like Ivan carry on turns into a, you know, flex type. He looked huge. But, he looked huge at the, at the event. Standing next to the, the offensive the lineman. You're like, I was oh, like, okay. who's that other offensive lineman? I'm like, Oh no, yeah. that's Ivan carry. I'm like, 
man, that guy is freaking that's, huge. That's what you saw, like uh, Sexton mentioned yesterday at the media day. And this goes back to like why I like those type of guys. He said he showed up at OU, whatever it is, 6'6", 6'7", 275, 280. Right now he's 325, 330 because that's just what happens. Right. And it's not and, a bad, it's not a sloppy looking. Oh, no. He's like 30. He's like V'd up, which is pretty rare. Like his shoulders are like, what was that basketball player for the Magic, uh, Dwight Howard? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I got something right when it comes to basketball. Wow. I got to win something. We should, we should, I should, I should make note of this and record this uh, clip for later. But he's, but yeah, Sexton is broad at the shoulder like that. Uh, but yeah, carry on. He's another good example of like, you know, hey, he's 200 pounds as a, 205 or whatever it is as a junior in high school he might get to campus at 225 and he might exit his freshman year redshirting at 240 and you've got a you got a flex tight end you know uh, or a, or so. that or that big john or maybe he's not johnny wilson but you know you've got a weapon like johnny wilson where it's yeah. just like it's just it's not just throw the ball to the tall guy it's throw the ball to the tall guy who can also muscle anybody as well that's right so um, other guys trending to OU, Christian Thatcher, the linebacker from Vegas. He was at the Sooners under the Star event. That's his second visit to OU. He came to the big junior event OU held in March last year. Really likes Oklahoma. He's a really impressive looking guy. He's around 6'3", 200. His sophomore film is just very physical. He loves hitting people. A lot of people think that he's trending towards Oklahoma. He's from Vegas. There's a couple other Vegas targets OU's interested in. Douglas U2, the big offensive tackle from Bishop Gorman, and uh, CJ Alafatuli, who's a top 100 offensive guard. So, uh, and then Matai Tagaway, who we've interviewed previously, uh, was from Vegas. He's just moved to California. So, uh, hopefully, OU is going to maintain that connection and still recruit him. But, oh, you could pull three or four players from Vegas easily. Uh, and then Caleb. Um, you know, the tight end recruiting has been a little up and down until you got Davin Mitchell. We were kind of a little worried about that, wondering what Joe John Finley was kind of doing. Not openly, but well, maybe we were openly saying that. Definitely privately, <laughs> pri- definitely privately saying some things which we might regret. But so at the party, again, as soon as under the stars event, uh, Dasan Brom from uh, Derby, Kansas was at the event and he's le- apparently leaning to OU. He's 6'5, 225, looks really good on film. Uh, top 200, top, maybe top 100 type guy. Uh, and then Chase Lofton, the tight end from Nebraska, who was also at the same event. Uh, he's 6'5", 200, maybe 210. But again, to your point, he's he's got his junior and senior year left. So not everybody is Davin Mitchell under 250 pounds uh, ahead of time. Some kids, they're just going to add weight and need to add weight and, um, and strength. And he's got time to do that. So he's really interested in you. And then, um, and then Caleb was really interesting watching Nate Roberts working out with Kevin Sperry and Elijah Thomas. They were apparently doing some workouts together and a meeting to do drills and passing drills and stuff like that. Would you, uh, would you want OU to make another run at Nate Roberts uh, if they could? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's he's kind of he's probably at early stage. You know, again, I would maybe the top tight end. In that class, right? The close class close of, to it. Close to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's everybody. It's Georgia. It's Notre Dame. It's Alabama. LSU. Everybody in the world has offered him, and he's he's a guy, uh, you know, that to me he falls a little bit more in 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 terms of line like a Grayson Harris, right? Where 
you know, yeah, you could do some projecting about how he's what he's going to become, but he's also like with Grayson and, and Nate, you pop the film on as sophomores, and as sophomores, they're the best players on the field. It doesn't matter, like there's they're playing against, you know, seniors are gonna like in, yep. in Grayson's in Grayson's, you know, case, guys that are gonna go power five, and he's you're running by him and lighting him up and going for 200 yards, you know, so you just know he's a great player and Nate is, is the same, you know, I think he's got the potential again to be a, you know, uh, top tight end of the class. So, I mean, you, I think you have to, uh, you know, be derelictions of duty not to, to have the top, uh, you know, tight end in the, in the nation, right. What maybe 15 miles from, you know, Memorial Stadium, and you're not recruiting him. So in Sperry, it you know you kind of ran through everybody, and it's interesting, right? Because it seems like there's a Kevin Sperry effect to to some of this. There's certainly Kevin Sperry photos with all of these guys, right? I mean, and social media, they're all they're all with work. Kevin Sperry. He's working. He he is on staff, the recruiting staff at this point. It's it's pretty impressive. Uh, the thing that I go, I wonder about is. Uh, not that it'll have any impact because I think Oklahoma's recruiting him as a defensive end. It's just surprising to me, but is, is CJ Nixon out of, uh, I think it's, was it Weatherford? That's right. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's another guy that, you know, I mean, it's weird. Uh, we talked about this off air, like in the day and age of personal trainers and kids being hyper-focused on one sport from the time they're little, that there are this many guys that are legitimate dual sport player, you know, so Grayson yeah. Harris going to possibly be drafted or he's going to play baseball at OU and Nixon, uh, you know, CJ Nixon, he's got multiple power five basketball offers, uh, Nickens, multiple power five basketball offers. You know, these guys could play multiple sports. So we know, talked about Jonah Williams, the big safety from Galveston. Last He's a week, baseball, baseball, legit, baseball, player. baseball player. I mean, oh, you could legitimately go into the SEC and have, you know, four or five guys on the starting baseball team that are, you know, uh, football, on the football, football team. athletes. Yeah. yeah. So um, the interesting thing is the three Carl Albert kids, you know, Sperry's now at Carl Albert, Xavier Robinson's at Carl Albert, but there are three other players to look at. One's Marcus James, and we're starting to see some crystal ball action for him to OU. And I think that kid's got sky-high potential based upon his sophomore film. Then you got Trene Washington, who is just, as you said, as we've talked about offline, a six-foot-three, 200-pound cornerback and tight end wide receiver. Then you got Tristan Hayes, who's vaulted up the rankings. He's now in the top 100, and he's just a 6'2 cornerback. So Sperry's there. He's working them. Um, Xavier Robinson already in the fold. Sperry already in the fold. Sounds like Marcus James could be in the fold fairly quickly. If OU could add Trene Washington again as a big athlete and just we'll figure it out when you get to campus. I think that's almost the approach I would take with him. Then Tristan Hayes, big cornerback. He's got Bama offers, AM offers. So, you know, Caleb, to your point, if OU kind of cleans up in state with these guys. Uh, and we're looking at, I mean, there's like five, 25 kids that have OU crystal balls and forecasts in for them right now. Oh, you could be at nine, 10 commits by Texas for 2025. And you're like, well, that's too soon. You're, you're, these kids are all, you know, you want to say, you, you know, that's a problem. They're, they're going too early. I mean, and you're like, every one of these kids, you're like, uh, I don't see that as being a problem. Um, no, I know. It, and it's it's I, all upside, it's all upside with with a lot of them. I mean, and to your just length, speed, well, 
that's range, what I was going to, I was going to say is, and just athletes, know, two sport guys, it's ooh. track guys. It's just all of them have, it's, it, they're checking kind of all of the boxes in terms of being of, of guys. You are, you take an offer early. Yeah. I say, you know, I kind of harken back to this, you know, for years, you would, we would kind of see a lot of the, the kids that were the Under Armour All-Americans or Army All-Americans for Oklahoma, you know, they were kind of highly ranked guys and they would, they would get down there around the top kids that were going to LSU and Alabama and some of these places. And you'd be like, okay, he's, you know, that OU guys, he's got some work to do, right? It was like Jalen Conyers, you know, he got down there and you're like, okay, he looks kind of like a receiver, not a, not a tight end. Uh, you know, and it was, gosh, what was the, the, uh, Levi Draper, you know, linebacker, yeah, yeah, he yeah. got there and you look, you saw him standing next to some of the linebackers that are going to Alabama and LSU. And you're like, all right, he, he's got a long way to go. He doesn't really fit in physically with all of these guys. It's polar opposite. Again, Nate Roberts, 6'5", 225. I mean, these guys, I don't know what is kind of gone on in the state of Oklahoma with the 25 classes. It seems rare, but, you know, every single one of them is, uh, and that we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but the most, the rarest thing about this 25 class in the state of Oklahoma is the measurables for these kids. It's not, I don't take a shot at, you know, uh, Michael Patterson, McDonald, right? But, you know, there's not, it's not a, Five ten, you know, uh, Nickelback. That you're saying, hey, he's got great ball skills. He's a great football player. You know, it's like you said with Trinae Washington. It's hey, here's a guy that's six three, two hundred pounds. He's playing corner. Like I don't care, you know. And he's a good corner. Like okay, we can play. He can play safety. He can grow into an outside linebacker. He can grow into a cheetah. Maybe he grows into a tight end. Maybe he just stays a receiver. And I don't care. Like if he if he ends up being yeah. six three, yeah. two thirty five, great. If he's six three, two twenty, you know, we're we're good. Uh, all these guys, it's just from a physical measurable standpoint, they all look like guys that are going to be, you know, in that top 150 type because of the measurables, right? It's, yes, they just, they, and their potential just is, they're not maxed out by any, any sense. Of no, any, all these guys, maxed out. they're all, they're just, all it's all ceiling. Lean. It's all ceiling. Yeah, it's, it's all, all ceiling. Just, big frames are really lean. And that's the crazy thing about all of them is, yeah, they're not like a, a Leonard Fournette who was, I showed my wife this the other day, you know, who was, I, I joked, I said, you look at a picture of him as a sophomore in high school and you look at a picture of him as a fifth year NFL player. He's the same person. He didn't get any bigger. He didn't get any faster. He didn't, he, he just, he's a guy that just, he became this, that age and he just matured early. All these guys, you know, they've got so much develop developmental runway. Uh, there's no telling what they could grow into. Yeah, it's one of the things I think that's going to be interesting moving forward. I think we're already seeing a big effect with Kevin Sperry. Obviously, he's showing up in Norman for every event possible. But, you know, just from the quotes and, you know, obviously his reputation is, you know, Elijah Thomas, I think, is also going to be a factor in recruiting. As you said, he bleeds crimson. The family photos of him in an OU jersey, um, you know, being from Chicota, you know, probably being being a Sooner has probably been, you know, his dream, you know, growing up, being, you know, being an OU player is just, I just think those two kids, the five, I mean, Sperry, you know, could he be a five-star quarterback? Yes. Could he be a top 50 quarterback only? I guess we'd take that, right? Um but he's definitely trending in that direction. I mean, all the recruiting services are starting to get more and more buzz about him. And I think Thomas is the same way. But just to have those two kind of bell cows early, it's going to help because, I mean, Sperry's, you know, Sperry, you know, 
Hawkins didn't commit until was it March or April? Right after right after the, I think it was yeah, March. I think maybe it may have been April actually. I think it was April. I think it, it was, was April 9th or something like that. He had a special day that he was born. He wanted to do it for. Um, so you know, Sperry's Sperry's got all fall to meet kids, and then he's got all 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 sort of winter camp sessions and stuff and events, seven on seven tourneys and other events which he's going to get to go to and camps where he's just going to be recruiting for OU. And Elijah Thomas is also going to be at a lot of these events as well. So having a quarterback who can literally at the drop of a hat be on campus to meet, you know, five-star defensive end, you know, whoever that may, whoever that might be in the 25 class, because names pop up, you know, we, we have some names we're trying to crack. It's a, it's a really good call. I hadn't thought of that. You know, I've, can, I've, I've, I've thought to myself, like, hey, you know, Sperry goes to all the camps. He's super arm talented, you know. Uh, yeah. And so, hey, he'll probably be – we talked about this, I think, last week. Hey, you know, when he's – now he's playing on a loaded team. Odds are he'll be a, you know, potential five-star guy. I guess I just didn't click to my mind that, hey, so whatever, you know, five-star defensive tackle or defensive end from Florida or from wherever comes in for a visit, like – not only is Sperry in a group text with everybody trying to lead, be the leader of the class. Oh no, he's a he's a fifteen minute, twenty minute drive to campus, and he's there. Yeah. So hey, have you you know? So let me show you around campus. I'm here all the time. You know, this is my class. This is my quarterback. Want to have you in the man? We got to have great defenders in this group. You know, I mean, I'm sure he's going to do it in sort of the most non like in your face manner possible because he seems like that kind of kid. But it just. The advantage of being already committed to OU and being able to spend that much time helping OU, I mean, especially like in January when OU has their first couple of junior days, right? He, he'll be on campus with those guys. And he probably may be on campus with five or six other hulking, <laughs> great-looking athletes who are also OU commits yeah. and some other. And like you said, stud defensive tackle from Florida comes in and all of a sudden he meets Marcus James, he meets... You know, he he meets Sperry, he meets um uh he meets Trene Washington, and he's like, okay, maybe CJ Nixon has verbal by that day. I don't know. CJ probably could run this thing out with the basketball and some other things going on. Yeah. I think that recruiting might go a little longer. But let's just say CJ Nixon is CJ Nixon was at the event under the stars again. Let's just say he's at that junior day and and he's hanging around with all those guys. And then this, you know, and if you're a five-star defensive end, you know, you're looking at Michael Fasusi and Lamont Rogers and Ty Harward are also there. Maybe Douglas U2 is there. And you're just like, there's a, there's a mountain of talent on this football team. I should really be thinking about going OU. Yeah. I think, man, you get on one of the bigger pieces of that, I think is when, when you really dive into the, uh, the offensive line class for 25 and what Oklahoma is in a really good spot for because there's some really good kids out of like the Denton area, which we talked about in some other areas. And then, you know, the, the Bishop Gorman offensive line class that Oklahoma got in early having Sperry. And we know already DeMarco, locked in. And we know DeMarco yeah. no, owns Vegas and he owns Bishop yeah. Gorman. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Jake Taylor is, is not a sooner. If DeMarco Murray walks away from the OU staff it, and, it that, is, and that change. It, it, I mean, they're, they're set up in a, you know, we talk about this a lot, right? It's it's all right there. You know, cause to it's your all point, right, right like, there. You know, they've got these kids coming out of out of Vegas. DeMarco crushes Vegas. And we're seeing what 
uh, Emmett Jones can do like in the DFW and just what he can do overall. And, and, and he's going to have these classes locked up where he's going to be able to spend all additional time. Like, Hey, Bill, I'll go with you down to the DFW. Cause I know, you know, I, I, I was on the same staff at DeSoto, you know, with these guys, yeah. you know, so or like, or Mesquite or yeah, he's wherever. got the ability. It's, it's, you know, having Sperry locked up like that uh, where he can, you know, and he'll already have all his receivers locked in possibly a tight end locked in and he can just say, Hey, I'm going to well, I mean, ship on linemen and, and defenders. And he just says to Nate Roberts, Hey, let's just continue playing the ball. Let's just get together, throw, do some route stuff. And Nate's just like sitting there and he's like, okay, okay. Well, why, why am I going to Notre Dame, Notre Dame again? Exactly. You know, you just, I think it, cause a Notre Dame commitment's good. Notre Dame's tight end rep is great. Yep. Um, they're getting, you know, they've got a good, they've got, um, uh, the former Michigan coach is Lloyd Cars. Was it grandson? Yeah, his grandson. Yeah, it's, it's, right. it's his grandson, right? Yeah, five star quarterback. CJ Carr is supposed to be really good going to Mich- going to Notre Dame to so Michigan, uh, which was you know a blow at the time, but Michigan's kind of recovered with some other quarterbacks. So it's you know that's that's a that's a hard commitment to put a dent in. Notre Dame is a good academic rep, so you know that that's something that you may have to take. Um, I, I so my my two cliches is recruiting is a is a marathon, not a sprint. And to get a D commitment, is kind of like rocking a Coke machine back and forth before you can tip it over. <laughs> yeah, you're it, right. It, it takes, it, is, it isn't just one. You can't do it at one time. To get a kid to decommit that you really want from a top flight school, you, you got to rock that sucker back and forth a whole bunch of times before you, you finally are able to push it over. And for all those kids listening to this, you should never, ever tip over Coke machines. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I, please don't do that. I, I'm, I'm not talking from any personal experience there. Anyway, um, so, you know, I think that would be interesting. And, you know, and then, you know, we're still a year out. There could be another name that pops up. And, you know, you've got this Kansas kid from Derby, which is just right over the border, apparently. It might as well be in Oklahoma, basically to some, you know, Brom might as well be in Oklahoma. Um, so it's, it's interesting, you know, if, if OU's at like 15 commits by next January, it's going to be a very interesting recruiting uh, uh, topic for, for everybody who's doing re- tracking recruiting to follow if OU's had that much progress, that much success that early. Because we've been waiting. I mean, I mean, we were stuck at, what, four commits in April? Well, you know, like it's just Brent's way of, and I'm 100. I think you know, I'm on board with it. I think it's the right approach. You don't have what again, kind of we talked about with USC, right? This rash of decommits as you go into the season, you're losing offensive linemen to Florida State and, and 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 players to other schools. You know, it his telling kids, "Hey, hold off and don't come here until you know," has kept kids from jumping on early. I think what we're seeing though with some of these, you know, it, it's maybe it's just paying off on these in-state kids, where it's like, "Well, I know I ultimately want to go here, but I also know if I don't pull the trigger now, there's a kid out of Texas or Florida or California right, and, that's going to swoop in and take my spot." I mean, at the the Sooners under the Stars, there were running backs from all over the country, wide receivers. There's lots of players. So, um, you know, it was, I think that kind of motivated some kids to say, you know, I want to, I want to be, you know, if you're, and all of these wide receivers we're talking about, Kevin Sperry and Michael Hawkins threw them route after route at OU summer camps, just about, about seven, you know, about six, you know, two months ago in early June. 
So they they all know the OU's quarterback talent, and they all know Jackson Arnold. I mean, everybody knows Jackson Arnold. Kevin, uh, sorry, Jeff Levy's telling everybody who's at the media event, Jackson Arnold, next the next face, the next name of the program. So um, OU's certainly not backing off uh, his reputation as well. So if you're a wide receiver and you see a QB room full of guys who can get me the ball all day, and that offense you know, um, can get wide receivers open. You can get a quarterback to get them the ball accurately on a regular basis. You're, you're having a thousand yard season with like a 20 yard per, ca- per catch kind of average. That's right. Um, so it's, and if you have multiples of them, you're just not, I mean, it's like back to some of those, some of the Landry, some of the Landry wide receiver cores when he had like Jalen Sanders, sorry, Jalen Saunders, Ryan, Kenny Stills, and they had a couple of the Penn State transfers that were just oh, really were Gino really Lewis. Yeah, with, Lewis, yeah, yeah, Justin Justin Johnson. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I forgot. That's a good. Yeah, you pulled yeah. that one out of nowhere. Yeah, those those guys were really good. But that was a four. Those four wide receivers. I mean, Landry just dropped back and just you know threw the ball over the yard. I mean, it was at times it was just crazy how you know you got a good you know, that 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 wide receiver core was that good. I mean, you know, even back to the Jason White days when he had you know Mark Bradley and Mark Clayton. Um, Travis Wilson, Brandon Jones, Travis Wilson, you know, you know, not to go down the football rabbit hole. I think that's how that's that's how you win. You know, is it Jackson Smith, Ningjigba? You know, it's Bolton in the first round is just going to be amazing player, you know, but the biggest year he had at Ohio State and the biggest game was, again, you know, Ohio State against Utah in that Rose Bowl. And they were able to match him up in the slot against Utah's third corner. And, and, you know, that's where that's where you're going to make your hay in these big games. And that's why, you know, the depth of what they're being able to build is you get against LSU or Alabama or Georgia and they're going to have two or one. They're going to have an elite corner and a really good one. Okay. Well, we're going to have like, you know, in this, in this case, well, you, you, you have Marvin Harrison and then you have, um, uh, Emeka, the the guy who went to OU. uh, Yeah. I don't call it. Is it Emeka? We're we're very close. We're very close. Yeah, that's right. And he's your, he's your backup, right? He's that's right. And then, and then you've got another guy. Um, uh, they've got, you know, just, you know, they're stacking wide receivers and you're just trotting them out, you know, and and, and again, that's why they're able to. If Emmett Jones can do that back-to-back OU classes and set OU up yep. with talent like that and coach it up, because it's he's he's not making a lot of friends with how much he's talking about. Like, man, I got the OU brand with me, and you know, and you know, he's and it's almost an understated message. I could sell, I could sell Texas Tech to some people, but man, I could sell the shit out of OU to freaking everybody. But it's, it's the old saying, right? Like that that logo gets you in the door to other places that you know that that the logo yeah. won't, right? It's yeah. just different. It's just, it is, you know. And again, we talk about that a lot. Like you can, and as Oklahoma fans, I think we probably underestimate that at times. But you know, uh, again, you, you just you watch like these all the talking heads and clickbait. Like they realize, hey, if I mention this school, everybody jumps in. It's because, you know, I'm. Being an Oklahoma fan, I probably don't realize it. Uh, I imagine Oklahoma's pretty well hated by a lot of places because they've won oh, yeah. so consistently yeah, for yeah. so long. It just like makes some people mad. Uh, so, I mean, obviously we're obviously we're team Darth Vader in softball. I mean, <laughs> might as well true. just might as well just dress in black and and go old thug with our fan base in the stands, right? To go like the old Ra- do like the Raider Nation 
You know, I kind of, I kind of wish seeing how much stress it put on them. Like my daughter plays softball, and so she watched everything, uh, and it, it, it kind of took the joy away from that softball team. I wish they would have talked to anybody like follows like the fight world, like Chael Sonnen, former UFC fighter, or gone and talked to like Vince McMahon. I'm not a wrestling guy, but just learned like, hey, embrace all the stuff people be the heel, for, be the heel, yes, turn be the heel. Be the heel. Go full, full heel. heel. Yeah. Full heel. So, but, I've, yeah, I've but, always thought like, yeah, that's, that's the way to do it. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's obvious that, you know, 25, you know, I made the bold declaration last week that if OU had a really good on the field season this year, that 25 could go number one. And part of that reason is why, you know, you may have five or six top 100 kids in state and that, and it's just the volume of top 100 kids. Maybe they're not all five stars, but just the volume of top 100 type players, just, yeah. I mean, you're talking about maybe 50, you know, if you could sign 15 or 16 top 100 kids, that's that, that just volume is going to push you there. So, well, I think there's that. And I think, you know, from a, just looking at like the nuance of it, you know, you nailed it. If Oklahoma is able to lock up, you know, if Carl Albert kids, uh, you know, which that's a big chunk of it. If you're able to, if you get Nate Roberts flip by the end of the season, and they're walking out of November, December with 10, 15 of those top ranked kids. Well, hey, you've got probably more than half your class because let's say they're going to sign 20 something next year, right? 22, yeah. 23, whatever it might be. Well, now, like they're able to, the entire staff is able to be really hyper focused on these couple of positions like, hey, we're done at quarterback, we're done at tight end, we're done at linebacker, we're done at wide receiver. Like, all we got to do is go get one more safety. We've got to go get, you know, some defensive yeah, alignment. Yeah. You're just able to really hyper focus. And I think, you know, we know uh, we've seen it, right. It's one of the reasons I kind of, again, if you told me that Williams and goes to Missouri, I won't be that shocked. But the other part of that is when I go where I'm going with this is we saw like with Peyton Bowen, when Brent is hyper focus of like i want this kid you know the, the reports were that oregon was going to give peyton bowen I've, I've looked this up the report was two million dollars in nil the report right now for you know uh for for williams is like 750 a season right uh so i mean like well he's not going to give up they're not going to give up if he chooses missouri in august and missouri is has just lost their fifth game in a row and and that staff is being cashiered out the door, you can guarantee Brent is not going to be shy about calling Winnery and saying, come down for a home game. Let's, let's get this deal done. See, that's the one thing where you wonder, like, for me, I'm like, okay. It's just be really, really honest. If you're Eli Drinkowitz, do you – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't funnel some of his personal money into an NIL collective to then funnel back to Williams and Wary because the reality is his – best insurance policy to oh, yeah. not being fired when he loses four or five games in a row is to is, go to the Brian Wingo and hey, I got Williams Winary. Yeah. If you fire me, we're going to lose these recruits. So yeah. you, you can't fire me. You've got to give me another season to get this turned around and they yeah. go, yeah, you're right. Yeah. All right. Well, we we've tied up enough time. I think talking about a myriad of topics, the 2025 class again, it's it's baffling. It's I'm stunned at how well it's doing right off the bat and and the momentum it's building. So we wanted to give that a full runway and a full show to kind of talk about. We'll be back uh, next week with another pod. Please follow us on uh, iTunes or your platform of choice. Please subscribe to this show. 
please visit Sooners360.com if you haven't already. Uh, sign up. Lots of information. Lots of good message board stuff. Lots of analysis from Caleb Barry Wise. We're having lots of recruit interviews. We're posting lots of good information on our message board. Also, please follow me, CM underscore Sooners360 on Twitter. So you can know when I'm doing podcasts, when I'm doing Twitter spaces to talk all things Sooner Recruiting. Thanks, everyone. And we will talk to you again soon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.